Hey traders, welcome to another Performante podcast. This is episode 26 and we're going to be covering some more crypto coverage. To start off the podcast, we'll be uh, taking a look at the kind of relationship between BTC and gold and the understanding and the potential outcomes of if BTC will be taking a market share of gold safe haven status against currency proliferation and inflation. So we'll look at some numbers and see, uh, you know, if BTC is at X price, then what will be like the market share? We'll dive into that. And then we're going to be taking a look, taking a look at some of the uh, people who say that they're also going to be putting a percentage of their net worth within BTC or uh, in the overall cryptocurrency market, which is pretty significant. We'll be talking about Jim Cramer's, just, I guess, perspective on BTC. And then uh, we're going to finish the podcast with a little bit of uh, institutional talk and then some scammers who are finally getting caught, which is a very good thing to see. So I'll now pass it over on to Nathan and uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. So the first story coming at you is a bit of speculation concerning how much of gold market cap that Bitcoin can take away from it. Pretty famous investor, Tim Draper, spent some time earlier this week explaining his theory on why Bitcoin could reach 250000 by the end of next year. A bit of random chance, but it's pretty funny. That is like, that's our golden number, the one that we've predicted for the up and coming bull run. Great to see that symmetry. Tim Draper's one of us, perhaps, who knows? <laughs> And it's interesting just to see that he's speculating that it can take 50% of the gold market cap, which would be a market cap of 4.5 trillion. And just looking at it top down as an investment, at least in 2020, and even zooming out further, it has outperformed gold. And I think that's really from like the technical price perspective, but as a store of value, I do think Bitcoin still outperforms gold. A, it doesn't weigh as much. B, you don't have to physically store it. It's all data. It's all virtual. It's got a different, like it doesn't have a cost to produce as tangible with mining because if you do not get people to go to the mine and mine gold, you're not getting any gold. While setting up Bitcoin miners is kind of a very different logistical stress. And overall, there's just a lot of fundamental differences in terms of why Bitcoin I would say is more functional or feasible when compared to the traditional asset gold. Totally. And I think it's just as a new asset class, it's has a uh, lot more volatility as a basically a brand new baby and an infant in terms of, you know, the historic um, unexplored theory of uh, how to create peer to peer um, trustless interactions and there was never anything like blockchain before BTC so this is absolutely brand new right we've never had something like this before so it's going to be more volatile at the start and then as it expands and then attracts a lot of capital and gets established within the rest of the asset classes as a valuable store of value and a uh, necessary part of a balanced portfolio I think it will start to decrease in the volatility but just looking at some numbers right now to compare the two different asset classes uh, as well as market caps market caps the bitcoin market cap right now is around a little over 350 billion dollars and then gold's current market cap is roughly 9 trillion so you can see just how much 
BTC has to go before it gets to the level that gold currently is at. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to surpass gold just yet, but um, maybe in the next bull cycle after the one we're going to be currently seeing for 2021. So who knows? Uh, that's many years ahead, but uh, the focus is going to be for this upcoming bull run. So to get a little bit more into it, we're going to be going and talking about the next discussion. The Morgan Stanley strategist, I believe his name, let's take a look, might butcher it, uh, Rachir Sharma said that uh, BTC is rising to replace the US dollar as the world reserve currency. Very bold statement coming from a Morgan Stanley strategist, but he does have some theories here. Uh, let's take a look at them. He proceeded to describe that after decades of mounting, U.S. debt to the rest of the world surpassing 50% of its economic output last year, citing that this is a threshold that often signals a coming crisis, according to the IMF. Pretty bold statements there. Sharma also added that since then, those liabilities have spiked to 67% of output as the government continues to borrow heavily under lockdown. So kind of the same overall I would say, argument that we have as to why the U.S. dollar is going to plummet and why there is a need for sound money to be in the portfolio of every single investor as well as uh, the eyes of every single trader. So uh, a little bit of uh, quotes from him, which I thought was pretty interesting. He said, today, most Bitcoins are held as an investment, not used to pay bills, but that is changing. I currently see BTC as a store of value as an and as an investment, not really as a currency that's transacted in, in the most efficient way. I think there are other projects that would be better used for that specific uh, means of a currency, but I think BTC is phenomenal for a store of value. But he does say, um, particularly in countries where dollars can be hard to come by, such as Nigeria, or the local currency is unstable, uh, cryptocurrencies are going to be used more and more. And we did see this in Venezuela. The number of transactions in BTC when Venezuela was in their hyperinflation was much greater than the peak of 2017. So there's more people using it. And they also favored Dash, which is another project, which is pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, very interesting stuff coming. Um, got any thoughts there, Nathan? I feel like Bitcoin is really paving the way in terms of in terms of overall adoption, like we're seeing companies like PayPal, Square, etc., that are adding a lot of PayPal usability. And I think that's really encouraging it being used on a transactional basis. But I think it's going to be much more used as that investment speculation rather than I'm going to use Bitcoin to buy something online. I think people are much more interested in perceiving it as that digital real estate that asset with a tangible limit that everybody knows. And I think that overall, the Bitcoin's going to get people's foot in the water. But as soon as you go down the rabbit hole and you start investigating alternatives like Ethereum, smart contracts, Oracle projects like Link, um, and people start to discover that there's a whole ecosystem of different applications, projects, and currencies that really just seek to make basically the consumer experience better. I think that's when the paradigm shift will really happen. But I still think we're always away because we're not even at the point of true Bitcoin adoption. I think we're just entering the point where there is a lot of speculation born from the fear that the Federal Reserve is kind of 
entering that superinflation cycle. And it'll be it'd be interesting to know what like Jerome Powell or the rest of the members of the Federal Reserve have to think about crypto. Like, do they print money and are they fearful of Bitcoin because they understand that it's basically a safe haven from their actions? They think it's in, an interesting idea. That would be one person that I think would have a very interesting perspective on Bitcoin would be Jerome Powell. Yeah, I'd love to be able to understand uh, what goes on through his brain when uh, discussed about crypto, BTC, source of value, inflation, hyperinflation. Um, obviously, I don't think he tr shows his true emotions when he's getting um, asked by, I guess, like news and, and the public, really. It'd be really interesting to have like a small behind closed doors kind of yeah deal. exactly would be a, a very interesting conversation indeed so to get kind of continue on with the bullishness continuing with the overall crypto coverage we do see twitch director sean purdy that's how you say his name moves 25 percent of his net worth in btc to in his words front run the wave of institutional capital Yet again, another individual who uh, is, I guess, a little bit less known, but uh, he, di he did have a previous company that he was a CEO in, sold that to Amazon, which is pretty crazy. Um, Surety Director Switch, oh, sorry, he, Twitch is owned by Amazon. Um, he had other projects that he was CEOs in, but he did not get uh, those unfortunately sold to Amazon, but he still is a pretty significant investor. He invested around two and a half million dollars a year in startups. So he definitely has the capital to, um, to make a significant impact overall in the crypto realm. I think in terms of his voice, in terms of the actual capital he's investing in terms of the ability to reach new individuals in the space, I think it's uh, really great. And he's making some pretty bold statements and 25% of your entire net worth in BTC is extremely substantial. So um, yeah, yet again, we're seeing another person kind of yell from the rooftops, I guess you could say on Twitter, really letting everyone know that they believe in this project, they believe in the idea, and they understand the reasons why they're looking to hedge against uh, basically the US dollar's demise. Yeah, I mean, he's joining in on the speculation that's happening across the world. There's even been JP Morgan analysts that have observed funds moving out of gold ETFs and into grayscale Bitcoins trust. Fidelity believes that 60% of institutional investors think in Bitcoin has a place in their portfolio. And this guy, he made the move. He screamed it from the mountaintops. And, uh, kinda not necessarily demanding action from his peers and colleagues, but he's made his stance very clear. And uh, speaking in the note of celebrity investors, let's call it, we got Jim Cramer, who said he bought Bitcoin. He bought some underneath 18,000. He says he bought the dip, super happy with the outcome. Um, what else did he have to say? Uh, Kramer said he might, he might invest 1% of his portfolio in Bitcoin. And this was during his podcast on no, during his guest feature on Pomp's podcast, it was a couple months ago, I believe in September. Uh, another big name joining on board. He's a, he's one of the people that when you see him on CNN, I believe, CN, CNBC, 
every time you see him on CNBC, he's always so passionate yelling about some penny stock <laughs> or some kind of... Uh, true. Sometimes what he has to say is pretty illogical, but sometimes you're like, he's passionate. He's doing what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, passion is a good word for him, definitely. His voice can, can be a little bit piercing, but uh, yeah, entertaining to say the least. <laughs> so uh, to continue on, we do have our next topic. Uh, definitely something interesting, I think, in the realm of blockchain, privacy, security. We do see that uh, U.S. Treasury, U.S. Treasury got breached by, uh, I guess, what they call sophisticated hackers. And it was from a report by Routers. I think that's how you say it. Apparently it was apparently it was Russians, but obviously um, it's like according to them. So there's no real, I guess, validated proof. But they were able to breach into the U.S. Treasury Department as well as the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, or NTIA, with the Department of Commerce. So uh, there's some people within the cryptocurrency space just saying Bitcoin means trusting the SHA-256 algorithm more than the U.S. Treasury from Blockfolio. And uh, there have been some other notable individuals kind of poking fun a little bit, Pomp being one of them, um, just saying Bitcoin never gets hacked. Um, so it's kind of funny how that works. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that they will make the switch inevitably because if there is a disruptive new innovative technology that will genuinely help the corporations, governments, or, or whatever entity to become a more safe, more effective uh, network and, and be able to have it more secure, why would you not make that switch? It just doesn't make sense. You know, you can only be against something for so long before it just makes logical sense. And I think that they will inevitably make that change. And this is just lighting or put pouring gasoline onto the fire if these unknown hackers were maybe even uh, bullish on btc this would definitely i think pour uh fuel to the fire for sure 100 percent. and so for our next story here is talking about the scb or the siam commercial bank it is thailand's oldest bank and they recently uh, dumped ripple in favor of using the stellar blockchain uh, to really service their cross-border payments industry. <clears throat> Apparently, I didn't know this, Thailand has the largest demand for remittance payments on the international level, which is super interesting. I guess a lot of tourism and business going on in Thailand. And so just to quote the bank's vice president, we expect that this, <clears throat> this new service model will help raise the service experience bar for seamless cross-border transfers for our customers and serve the growing demand for better cross-border remittances. Uh, so it's interesting to see that they're kind of swaying more towards the stellar side of things. Because I guess fundamentally that's what both projects are trying to solve, have those quick transactions and really facilitate uh, international commerce. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing to note, I uh, did see it right here. Both Stellar and Ripple aim to make cross-border payments more efficient, but uh, one thing that is different is I think Ripple is definitely more trying to get into the institutional and uh, I guess firms, the large banks, and then Ripple 
I'm sorry, Stellar Lumens is getting more into the individuals who may not be able to even have that available to them right now. Like a lot of people who are living in maybe the United States and Canada can't really fathom a world that you don't have a bank account. You can't transact, right? But there's a lot of people in the world who just don't have that ability to have a bank account. So then um, Jeb McCaleb, who actually created or co-founded Ripple, didn't like where it was going, moving to a institutional fund large corporation level so then he created seller lumens and now he's getting more traction um or at least in this situation than ripple so um pretty interesting kind of dilemma that they have and uh, if you want to learn more definitely check it out because uh they could honestly make a movie about it one day i think they probably will yeah i feel like there's definitely going to be a movie made at least in hindsight at kind of these up-and-coming crypto companies It'll be interesting to see which are still around in 10 years because crypto is the wild west very hard to predict what will be the next major headline speaking of which eight people arrested in argentina linked to the one coin ponzi scam this is one that i actually saw on reddit which is kind of interesting i saw it on reddit like not because of the scam but i saw it on reddit when it was being like circulated advertised and marketed but basically, it seems like the people who run the project got caught and the people who were promoting the project got caught because they were kind of in on the Ponzi scheme and the profit sharing. So kind of like one large collaborative venture between some awfully nefarious and dishonest individuals. Uh, and it looks like the they totaled $4 billion in total making it one of the largest scams in crypto's history. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Four billion is a big number. And uh, to go on with this conversation, we do see another headline here. Crypto founder faces 10 years in prison over millions of dollars in a exit scam and not paying taxes. And uh, this guy is... Elmani, I believe, uh, he was he made millions of dollars through the sale of cryptocurrencies called Oyster Pearl, um, and he evaded paying taxes to the IRS within that uh, new release. So he said that he had friends and family to receive cryptocurrency proceeds and then transfer them into U.S. dollars and then transfer those U.S. dollars into his own accounts. And that was basically his way of assuming the IRS will never catch him. So uh, uh, probably not the most in intelligent individual when it comes to trying to uh, outsmart the IRS. They, uh, they will try hard. They will do everything they can. Taxes are something that they uh, care oh so dearly about. So... Don't be stupid, pay your taxes, and um, yeah, especially if you're making millions of dollars, you're going to get into some really bad situations if uh, you completely ignore them. Yeah, it looks like he said he only made $15,000 on his uh, tax form that's come to light, um, but another tax form shows that he spent over $10 million on multiple yachts. <laughs> So clearly there's a discrepancy between money earned and money spent. And uh, the IRS are probably pretty interested in what he has going on behind the backgrounds with all of his illegal activities. And on that bombshell, I think that's a good place to end this episode. I believe this was episode 26? 26? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate your time. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, take care, everyone.